welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell. Oh, I'm Liz. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are really excited to welcome writer-director Kevin O'Brien to the show. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks. So rather than me stumble through a terrible, terrible bio of, of you, I think that maybe it's better that you just give us your quick one-minute bio. Just tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks. Well, I'm Kevin O'Brien. I'm a uh, filmmaker, writer, director. Um, I really got started in filmmaking later in life. I was always like a pretty creative person, but it wasn't until my early 30s uh, that I really found my thing, that filmmaking was my thing. I was always kind of like the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none sort of uh, person for a long time. And then uh, I started doing some original... Uh, at the time, I was on on, on staff uh, as a creative director at a church here in Lakeland where I live, and uh, we did a lot of original uh, creative uh, things for every week, and that started being original short film projects, and I started doing that and just fell in love with the whole filmmaking process. Um, and that's, that's really where I, I decided that that's what I wanted to make my life about. So, um, about 10 years later now I've, you know, I've had a company for eight years called Journey Box Media where we create short films on a regular, on a, you know, on a regular basis, sell them online. And then we, uh, you know, I, I have my first feature film called At the End of the Day. Um, yeah, that's my. And Kevin, why this one? Why is this the first feature? So I have a uh, very religious background. Uh, the irony is that I'm not so religious currently, but uh, I grew up in a very uh, conservative Christian home, um, and and my life is really framed in in the conservative Christian world. Um, and uh, when I was looking for a a topic that are you know a story, you know, I I was I wasn't the I don't know I think there are a lot of filmmakers and creative people who are like some people know exactly what they're they're you know when I get the money I know what my movie is going to be about I didn't do that I didn't have that for a long time I didn't have a, I didn't feel like I had a story worthy of an hour and a half two hours of it for a movie um uh but then uh through a few a, a series of events within my life and between my wife and I and our kids um and we we have adopted twice, and so we just started like realizing how much bigger the world is than than this little small view of the world that we had. Um, and one of those ish, one of those things that we really started to change our views on was the way that the church uh, treats and talks about the LGBTQ community. So um, that's a I, I I know that in a lot of the world, especially in uh, more progressive cities, this is a a thing. Well, you know, we just had pride month so it was a big thing all over um but this specific issue is um depending on where we show it it's sometimes it's people are people's responses why is this still a thing <laughs> that to, that we need to talk about uh but in in the south and in more uh you know not progressive areas more conservative areas it's it's still a very real uh current issue that people are are in danger from their lives and and because of religious rejection and um all, all of these things. So as we started changing our views on that, this was a thing that um, we that I felt like this was a topic that I could talk about from my perspective that hadn't been done quite in this tone or in this like, you know, narrative form. There are a ton, you know, there's a bunch of good documentaries about how faith and Christianity um, really kind of um, 
rejects the LGBTQ community. Um, there have been, you know, some narratives recently in the just just within the past few years that have come out about that. Um, but I wanted to, I thought this would be a, a thing that I could really get behind and get um, excited about and and really just kind of like make a, you know, say a thing uh, while entertaining. So that was a really so, long answer. Sorry. Yeah, so, so to get really like personal and, and go into this a little bit deeper. Yeah. I mean, did you kind of go through the same sort of transformation that Dave went through um, in the movie at some point in your life, like years ago or like, can you talk about that a little bit? And like, yeah. Yeah. And actually it wasn't even that long ago. I mean, it was, it was when I decided to, when I decided that I didn't have the story, but when I decided that like, this is the tension, the, you know, the church's uh, acceptance or rejection of the LGBTQ community, when, when I landed on that as a, as a, as the main conflict in the movie, um, I didn't have a story, but I was still kind of uh, learning and researching and reading and, you know, it kind of in the middle, I knew, I knew the, the historic view of the church was wrong. I felt that like in my soul. Um, and I was headed that direction, but I, but I would, I still had a lot of questions and a lot of, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have answers yet. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of in the middle of that, but I certainly, I certainly went through, um, and I think a lot of a lot of people do who grew up like me go through that kind of progression that Dave did uh, in the in the movie where we we grew up in most of our lives. We hear a certain thing and we just accept it as truth, uh, but we didn't have any real relationships or or uh, and the, th the thing about a lot in, in those kind of churches and those communities is that questions aren't really like questions are frowned upon questions are they kind of challenge things so you're not you're not really allowed or you'll or you if you do ask a question you get like a very simple clear this is the way it is don't ask that question again uh sort of thing so um yeah so it was definitely out of that that path that dave takes is for a lot of us it is based on the relationships and the people that we meet and that that kind of real we realize uh that that the way we've been told the world works is not the way it actually works. So is the, um, that pastor character in the movie, is that based on like people that you actually know who are actually like that in real life? Or, I mean, cause coming from San Francisco Bay area, it's just like, you know, <laughs> a lot of this seems really crazy. I mean, I know it exists for sure. Like I'm not saying that I don't realize that people, you know, aren't accepting in other parts of the country and even here, you know, in certain places, but I mean, did you draw from real life people, you know, to kind of create some of these characters? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so but when you're saying the pastor character, I'm assuming you're actually talking about the guy at the university. The, yeah, like, the dean. The I'm dean, sorry. The dean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. OK. Um, so, yeah. The, so, yeah, I mean, he's not specific one character. In my mind, he represents like the institution, like religious institutions, not, you know, a lot of times it is with conservative Christian colleges, but it's also with churches, with denominations, with the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, the United Methodist Church just this past year, just in January and February had a worldwide vote within their denomination about whether they would uh, hire openly uh, LGBT people as clergy and whether they would officially as a denomination marry uh same-sex couples and they uh because it's a worldwide denomination they it actually got voted down um and there's this this all year has been the united methodist church kind of like try to figure out how to how to re-engage that conversation 
Um, so yeah, so lots of lots of real world people. All almost all of the characters within the movie are heavily based on people that I've met or had deep relationships with, or are kind of like a conglomeration of a lot of people I've met. You know, so Gordon, the dean, is definitely like a composite of all of the you know older white cisgender straight guys who kind of run the world if we're being honest about it but specifically within religious communities uh that are not that have that their view is that they are doing the loving thing that they have the truth and that anything in opposition to that is uh is challenging the truth and challenging you know reality well i'm i'm the dick who didn't watch the movie so all my questions are not uh, about are the movie. <laughs> no that's great um, that's fine well, I want to go back to, you know, the idea of why this film. I mean, it's something that I believe Ulrich and I and maybe Tim talked about a while ago. Like, how do you decide what your first feature is going to be? And I ran into a lot of people who, you know, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to make that first feature really say something. So I just wanted to go back to that, you know, that question of this movie and your previous relationship with content and religion. What is the message you're trying to get across with this film? So the first part of that is that I I don't know. I mean, this is the way this was my first movie. Like, this is the way it went. I can't change the history of when my first movie was made. It was not the smartest if I was if I was to make a decision based simply on career or uh, you know, finances or chance of success. I'm doing lots of air quotes here. Um, this would not, this was not the right choice. Wait, for, but what for would this you movie. have done? I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, even when, when I told my wife that this was, uh, you know, before I had the story, but when this is the conflict, especially with, you know, my, my business is dealing in religious communities and selling short films to religious communities. So when I told her, like, this is the, the topic that I want to kind of, center the thing around she was like okay let's take this slow let's figure this out um let's see if this is the right thing and, but and so several times i tried to like put this aside and do something else or you know find another story for my first feature and come back to this later um but i don't know it was the, there was this there was i all i can explain is that there was this like drive inside me to tell this story i felt like the window for this to be applicable was closing at the time um although now we realize that it's it's not like our country has not progressed as a whole nearly as as far as we thought we were in 2015 um but uh yeah i just i couldn't i felt like i kept felt like i was running from it i couldn't i couldn't not do this story at this time it was it was just one of those things where like i do feel like whatever that first thing whatever you're working on for that first feature I do feel like it needs because it's so much longer of a process than you think it's going to be at the beginning. It has to be something that you are like like obsessed with, not just passionate about, but I feel like you got to be obsessed with it, at least in my situation. Um, so I feel like it was it was what it had to be for me. So did you not really get the kind of support that you thought you might get from the religious community behind getting this film made? Well, I knew I would not get re religious community support behind this movie well, I mean, I, I mean I, but aren't there aren't there churches that support um you know all lifestyles and don't have that old world view but yes may, but there's maybe less of them is that the problem no well there there are certainly less of them a lot less of them um the other thing i yeah so i i i did have this whole which i've i've 
later discovered and in throughout this whole process, you know, continually evolving and learning is that, that I, I certainly, when I'm honest with myself, I had this like straight white savior complex coming into this, that like this, I'm going to tell this story that's going to change so many lives. And this, the LGBTQ community is going to like love this thing that I'm doing and they're all going to get behind it. Of course, this is such a beautiful thing. Why, why would that not happen? (laughs) Um, Right. And so there, what I quickly discovered is that, you know, this community has been fighting their battles for years and years and years. And I'm this like new guy showing up saying, Hey, I'm making this movie thing. And they're like, yeah, that's great. We're trying to stay alive and fight for equal rights in our country, you know, like fight for marriage equality, which is now, uh, in 2015 happened in our country, but, um, there's conversion therapy that they're fighting there, you know, work in, in my state of Florida, there are, um, a lot of things there that, they're working on to pass legally, like, um, you know, banning conversion therapy and uh, equal work protections, ba- regardless of gender or uh, sexual identity uh, or orientation. Um, so so everyone was like, they're all doing their things already. And when I came in trying to uh, it was it was definitely harder to raise money than I expected it to be. I knew it would be hard, but I, I feel like it was actually. I didn't. Uh, I feel like every step of this process was harder than I, than I expected it to. Um, and again, if it wasn't that thing that you're like obsessed about, then I I don't know how you would follow through with it. Well, it's kind of a humor situation when you look at it from the outside, right? It's like you all we hear about is religious films doing well commercially, and you picked an aspect of a religious film that makes it kind of difficult for distribution. It sounds like. Yeah. So I guess. I personally love that you picked the film that was itching at you. That's like the number one thing I tell people to do, even if it feels like the wrong film or whatever reservations you have, you should always make the film that keeps you up at night. But thinking about the marketplace, thinking about distribution, thinking of all the filmmakers who may be listening to you right now, what would you advise filmmakers to do differently? Oh, that's so, that's so tough. Like, so the, you know, the other big thing that I've, realized or that I, seems to be the case is that um, one of the challenging things about filmmaking is that there's no like one path, you know, there's no like, this is the way there are, there are similar steps that you take, but almost every movie that's made has its own unique path. Every filmmaker that gets to the point where they're making a feature film has, has their own unique way that they've made it. It's not like you, go to school for this many years and then you get licensed in this thing and then you go, you know, apprentice for a year or whatever. Um, So, so much of this, I learned as much as I could as I was doing it and before I was doing it. I didn't go to film school. I'm, you know, self-taught throughout the whole process. So um, it was hard because I like for distribution, there's this whole thing, which I know you, Liz, you're very familiar with because you do the, um, the Sundance creative uh, distribution initiative thing, thing, whatever this thing, thing is. Yes, this, this thing. Um, but, but the, like, there are no numbers out in the world whatsoever. So you, so it's impossible to know, like, even if someone does get some sort of distribution deal, whether, whether how that distribution happened, because it is a big part of who, you know, and the right person at the right time, uh, fest, the, the whole festival process. Uh, I've even learned, had several conversations about like that, it certainly helps to have certain relationships before you uh, 
plan out your strategy of festival submissions and where that's going to go. Wait, Kevin, um, to interrupt you, it's just, yeah. this is so crazy that I noticed this the other day, and I hope you guys don't mind if I just divert us for no, one point. No, no. I was thinking of the festivals that my film got into, my second feature um, had been getting into. I know the heads of five out of the seven of the festivals that we got into. Yeah. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something <laughs> here. You're saying that that's why you got in because of you got because of your connections. I think it's a, probably 75 percent of why wow. I got in. Yeah. So many, wait, but my question I have, Kevin. Sorry, really quick, just while we're on this topic. So Liz. How many festivals did you submit to? Um, oh my gosh. Well, probably like 30, 30, 30 at this point. Yeah. So your ratio is probably just a little bit higher than than the norm, right? Cuz it's usually like 5 to 10% or something that you get into and That's if you true. Got, you got yeah. into what? You said 5 out of 30. So Well, and also I'm applying to these festivals knowing that I know the heads of them, right? Right. So right. that's impacting my decisions that I'm making, but it's still like I don't, I've been rejected by some of these festivals in the past. Right, right, right. It, but the point is, it's really tough. That's yeah. the point. It's, yeah. it's stupid also. It's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> it's tough and it's stupid. <laughs> when I, uh, my big like moment realizing that was um, we had a fiscal sponsor, the Film Collaborative, for our film so that when people donated to through the Film Collaborative, it was tax deductible for them. Um, we used that combined with our uh, to get a good a good chunk of our money through some donations, um, and then also through our Seed and Spark, our second or our third, our su- second successful crowdfunding campaign, our third overall campaign um, after during post production. But um, so through the film collaborative, I found out later after I had already submitted to a ton of festivals that they had like a film festival section of their <laughs> um, that will help you through oh, the yeah. film festival process. Um, and I found that out later. I don't know. I'm sure it was there and I read it at some point and then I forgot. Um, so when, so way that works is that, uh, a representative from there who is connected to a bunch of festivals, they watch your film and then they give you feedback on what festivals they think would be a good fit for where they should go and all that. So my first conversation with this person, with his representative afterwards, uh, they said, what festivals have you submitted to? And I was, you know, like all the regular big ones or whatever. And he's like, and so what people do you know with those festivals? What connections do you have to those festivals? Uh, that you submitted to, and I said, yeah. uh, n- "None. I'm a. This is my first <laughs> thing. Like, I don't have." And so he, like, it. I'm sure he didn't laugh at that point, but I felt like he, like, you know, like that's how I remember the conversation going was that it was like comical that I submitted all of these to all of these festivals, spending money on this thing when I didn't have a chance on getting in because so many of the slots fill up first from connections, from relationships that they have. Um, and so to, to like illustrate the point, there was a big, uh, LGBT festival that we were hoping to get into and we had already been, well, we hadn't been rejected yet. It was like, a it was like three weeks away from their notification date. So I guess we kind of already had been rejected because usually no before then if on most of the bigger festivals, but the, uh, so he's, he's like, well, I have this director on, like, he just texted the director of the, the, the program, the main programmer. And said, like, this, I have this movie. Have you seen it? He's like, yeah, we've seen it. It's probably not going to get in, but I'll give it another look. And then he gave it a lo- another look. They, like, actually watched it again and then said, no, it's, we already have, we don't have a spot for it. But, like, no. that, that, like, to that point of, like, he just texted the guy and he's like, yeah, I'll give it, like, it is, that just helped me realize um, 
It's who you I don't know. know. That it, it is a hu- so much of it is and yes, of course there are outliers and people that whatever, but um I don't know. I think I think having those realities I don't know that it doesn't necessarily it doesn't change the game because you whatever, but that's the way the game is. Well you still have to apply. Just knowing. Like, right, just, right. You still gotta try. It, well also because you need the track record. So if you come at them with your second feature, you can say, Well, I applied with my first. I mean it's yeah, a stupid, helpful. stupid world. Um but I just wanted to advocate people still trying. So um, I just wanted to, this is more of a comment than a question, but just it's kind of interesting with your film because, you know, it's kind of almost told from the perspective of the other side of the coin, right? Because you're basically talking, coming at it from the church side in a way, you know, yep. I mean, with this guy. And I don't think I've ever seen a movie that from that perspective. And I don't know if there have been others, you know, where it's sort of this like coming at it from the side of the conservative and then becoming more progressive and by the end of the film. But yeah, I mean that, that might explain why the um, LGBTQ community didn't really rally behind it in the same way that they might have another project, you know, but like, I was just thinking like, did, did you try to find like, like, cause there must be like some, like some like churches that you could have found, like, I don't know, um, like the Glide Church in San Francisco is a good example. Like they're like a big supporter of uh, the LGBTQ community and, um, you know, their religious organization. So it's like someone like that, like who could understand what you are trying to do and then really rally behind it, like would have been like the kind of partner that you might have, that would have really helped, you know? Um, but I imagine like that's got to be really hard to find, especially from where you're, you're lo- located, you know, because you're kind of like in the heart of where, those things are less, you know, present, I guess, you know? So there's this, uh, yes, that you are, you are correct in that. And I feel like, um, my takeaway, I guess it's either that I'm not, uh, that's just not my thing is, <laughs> is pitching to someone to join onto my project in that right. capacity, because I feel like I, for the first three or four years of this project, putting this together before we actually had any sort of money to actually shoot it. Like that was, and, and in the two years after, like that, that's been one of my biggest focuses was trying to find partners who would support this, who would get behind it. And again, that's why I don't, I just don't know where the disconnect was. Um, I mean, the nationwide companies, you know, the, the national organizations, uh, their their responses I kept getting back from was, um, and I I understand because um you know for a crowdfunding campaign they can't be sending out a bunch of crowdfunding campaigns especially from a a guy that they don't know who he is they don't know what this thing is going to be right um but then even afterward you know so I understood that throughout the the pre stuff about like they don't have this thing they don't know what it's going to be they don't know what it's what message what any of that um. So yeah, so that that didn't happen beforehand, except on like a, a personal basis, individual communities, but nothing like, you know, a, a full denomination or a full uh, organization getting behind it. Um, so, so, and then I even have, afterward, go ahead. I just have one more question about story, and then we can get off of it because I know this doesn't really seen the movie, but it just like your lead character is a really interesting challenge to me, and I've, I'm sort of dealing with the same challenge with my feature. Because my character makes some very questionable choices, um, you know, in the film. And, you know, you you need the audience to be behind him, even though, 
you know, he's making the wrong choices. In, so I'm just curious, like, how did you tackle that? Because your character makes some really terrible choices early on in the movie. And then as he goes, he starts to make less terrible choices, basically. Um, but what, what was your, your process for trying to make this guy likable while he's doing these terrible things? Well, I actually did not. Um, I didn't approach it at all from making him likable. Like my, the, I guess kind of like the the closest thing you could say to like the inspiration of a character of a of a movie that I really loved that had the like least likable character that a very dislikable character was like bad words Jason Bateman and bad words were like this guy's just a yes. terrible guy it's just Sorry. a terrible guy no it's okay <laughs> so good uh, yeah so good and from what I remember about it I mean I I haven't watched it in a while so maybe there is but. Like, he's just a bad character, you know, like I and so what I I didn't approach it from I need this guy to be likable. I just approached it from like, I actually want people to not like him. And hopefully by the end, like they're OK with him, <laughs> because in my mind, he's not real. Like he's the lead character, but he's not really like in a weird way. He's not the hero of the story. Um, I think I think the support group that like he kind of goes along with like that he gets connected with. I think they they are kind of like the the drive the the grace and forgiveness that they have is kind of like the hero of the story but um yeah so i didn't i didn't approach it that way but i will say like it wasn't until for whatever i don't i don't know how i missed this i think steven the steven shane martin the the actor who played uh dave uh he kept trying to like drop hints to this throughout and he would you know ask questions all the time as we were filming it and we'd change a bunch of stuff while we we're filming it but it wasn't until like i was editing the thing and I like saw all of these things back to back. I don't know. I was like, holy crap, this dude is terrible. Like this is a terrible guy that I wrote. How, why did I write him such like as such a jerk as such a terrible person? Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't approach. I, I've always been a little leery of that. Like you got to make him likable kind of mentality anyway. Like I, because uh, yeah. of, because of so many, uh, you know, things like Jason Bateman in bad words, like, like I don't need a likable character to follow a story um, along. Yeah. That was like when I was pitching the movie to like all these executives a few years ago, that was the number one note I got from everybody was that my character wasn't likable. Um, when they read my script or even when they heard my pitch, they were just like, you got to have a character that the audience can get behind. And I totally agree that that's not necessarily always the case that you can have like an anti-hero or a character that you don't agree with their choices um, as you're watching them go through the movie. But yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, I was wondering, because, like, I'm trying to just deal with that the best I can. And, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you just leaned into it heav heavily, which is good, you know. And it, it worked, because I didn't like it. I hated the guy in the, watching the movie. <laughs> right, right. Like, I really, really didn't like him at all. Um, so, yeah, but it's so a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other, uh, a, a key point to this is that I had zero investors, so... <laughs> No, I did not get any investors for this movie. So maybe that's a lesson to be learned too. If you don't have Jason Bateman and you have an unlikable guy, you got to figure out a way to pay for it on well, your own. So let's talk about that because I mean, I'm fundraising for my third feature right now. And um, a number one question is always balance, right? How do you uh, have a day job while fundraising? How do you convince people to come on board? How did you fund this film? Uh, so the actual production budget of it, um, which was it was fifty five thousand dollars to actually shoot the thing because we at at some point um, you know 
at some point we were like, we just got to, we got to do what we can. We're never, if we're just waiting around to raise the whole amount. I like in the future for my future projects, I don't ever want to do it this way again. But for this one, um, I felt like I had, to, like I was going to just be waiting forever and ever if I didn't actually shoot this thing and have that part of it done and then worry about post-production later. So uh, again, not a like long-term strategy, not a career move necessarily, other than you actually have a feature film shot and you're moving towards having something done. Um, so the first, so that part of the budget, our, our total budget, I know you're going to ask about specific numbers and we don't ever hear numbers, so I'll say it. I don't care. So as our total budget was $120,000, like in the end, after post-production and everything, and it was about 55 to 60 to shoot to actually shoot the production of it to get it uh, done. So that amount of money was raised from a combination of uh, a Kickstarter campaign after our first failed Kickstarter campaign because I set the goal too high and I foolishly chose Kickstarter, uh, which you get all or nothing. You know, that that's a key, key takeaway <laughs> is to go with something that lets you keep whatever you got. Aww. Wait, so was your Kickstarter <laughs> successful or did you... Our fir- um... So our first one, our goal was $75,000. And I realized that I did not... Now, looking back, I did not have... Like Liz was talking about before we started recording, I did not have the network. I didn't have the reach to uh, to supply that. But we got to $35,000 of that, which is awesome, except that Kickstarter doesn't let you keep anything if you don't reach the <laughs> right. whole thing. So, so then we like tried to do a real quick... like. Uh, we didn't make it, but you can still put the same amount towards our PayPal account. And so uh. we got some money that way. And then we did a quick, another Kickstarter for like $20,000 and we got that goal. So, so wow. we got some of it that way. And then we got another chunk, about $30,000 donated from two specific individuals oh, wow. uh, who nice. uh, are here locally in Lakeland and wanted to support the, the movie. So that gave us enough to shoot the movie. So when you did your PayPal uh, after your Kickstarter failed, how many people put through into the PayPal? Oh, it was it was only like ten, maybe. Oh um, wow! Yeah, it was it was not much. Most of most of the whatever we got came from the the like re the the redo on the Kickstarter. Well, that's crazy though, because like in a way, it's like you got whatever twenty something from the Kickstarter that you have to pay the fees on, but then you got ten with no fees. Which is pretty great. Oh no, know, no, no! I meant sorry. I meant ten people. Oh, ten people, not ten thousand. Oh, I thought you meant ten thousand. No, 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 like, no, no, no. Ten, <laughs> ten people. No, I think it was oh, probably like people. it was probably like three or four thousand total. Uh, on that, okay. On well, that still, end. that's three. Or that's 4, still great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With no fees, that's good. <laughs> so for the two, um, I'm going to call them patrons who gave the big chunk of money yes, to fill out yes. your budget. What do you attribute that? action to like what do you think you said or did to convince them that's interesting uh so one of them uh the one that gave the bigger no the smaller chunk actually was um a who was initially going to and to invest to buy units of the movie um he was really the only one that ever like well we, we had a couple of things that were like we were like kind of dragging us along but he he was certainly the first uh, that we kind of made that connection. Uh, so, and that, that was actually going to invest. And then when he, when I, <laughs> when I took the time to like, when we were actually going to sign the papers and do the check, he was like, I'll just donate the money instead, which, you know, is oh my great. Gosh, that's it's, amazing. It's great. Um, except that I had spent like thousands of dollars on attorney's fees to get, 
<laughs> to get this investment paperwork that I never, never used. So that wasn't great. But uh, you can use it as a template for the next one. That's true. That's true. Positive thinking. Liz, I, I love I, it. I, I'm in the same book, Kevin. I spent a lot of money on lawyer fees for my paperwork that and and I didn't need because the producer I had have now oh, as a nice, lawyer. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> oh, I mean, man. but there's a reason. I mean, but it all worked out. It, it was worth yeah. it in the end. So you yeah, know. and you learn and you move on. Whatever. Exactly. Or maybe I haven't moved on yet. Um, on that. <laughs> um, so, but I, I think I attribute, so our, our, my main initial connection to that family was my wife actually like worked for the school board here in Polk County and had a relationship with, uh, with her, with his wife, with the donor patron's wife. Um, so like there was, it was a back to the two, you know, you know, I don't know if I would have had that connection. Um, I mean, he's a very generous person here in our city as anyway so he he is constantly getting involved in things like this but i don't know that it would have been to that that point and then the second which is the bigger chunk was twenty thousand dollars was like this guy's father (laughs) so it's all came it all started with a personal connection that um but it was also you know it was still something that they the the whole thing, the idea of the story, it was something that they were supportive of, that they were behind, that um, they wanted to be in the world, you know? So I don't know that if I was, if I was making like a, um, you know, just a fun horror movie or something, I don't know that they would have contributed to that, but they, they felt the importance of it. I think specifically living in the city that we live in because it is a pretty conservative County. It's a pretty conservative area. So I think they felt like this was something that needed to be made. Well, but did you, I guess, digging deeper, like, did you have a PowerPoint? Did you have a lookbook that you sent them? Did you do an elevator pitch to them? Like, what are these things that you, that were, because I've never done a lot of those things. I mean, so I'm curious, like, what was effective in terms of uh, materials that you've gathered? Sure. And I'm actually happy to, like, I'm just saying this as I'm doing it, so maybe I'll regret it later, but, like, I'm happy to, if you... Ulrich, if you ever want to like post it to like, I could yes. send you my examples of my lookbook send and all of that. Send the lookbook. Because I mean, to I just as an cool. Example. Cool. So, um, yeah. So it was. I I definitely had like a a. I'm a. I spent some time as a graphic designer, so that was one of my things that like I I do a lot of. So I designed this really nice, uh, s- slick kind of lookbook that had kind of the idea of the story and some of the actors. Like if you know dream world I would have gone after that we would have tried to sign to it if we had a bigger budget um notes about the music about this you know how what kind of tone we want to set what we want the feel why and then like detail and then there was a section for investors and units and all of that so um there was that I also had like a one page version of that that I kind of adapted to later um that was kind of like a quick overview as we were trying to get interest from investors um, that kind of just gave some of the numbers and a little bit of the details. And I mean, but, but I definitely took like that, that whole part of this process, the, the raising money and making it a real thing. Like I took very seriously from the beginning. So I got a domain and launched the website, like the day that I was done with the screenplay um, end of the day, film.com. I had a website up, you know, talking about um what the movie was i actually had a well i guess i didn't have at that time uh, a pitch trailer we did that for the crowdfunding campaign like we we filmed a pitch trailer where like if you watched it it looked like we already shot the movie 
Um, but yeah, everyone should go to your website. Different. I mean, it's it it's like the ex- example of what I ask filmmakers to do. I mean, the pop Thanks. up asking for the email address, like the very explicit breakdown of like how people can see the film. It's very good. Thanks. So yeah, so I took all of that very seriously, putting together those packets, um, and and that whole thing. And I think that's kind of what. For me personally, while, yes, I have a movie and it all worked out, I, I just felt like the whole process was like trying this thing, doing it as doing it to like trying this one step that you heard worked for someone else and doing it as professionally as you can. If that doesn't work, try the next thing that this other person tried that, you know, and do it as professionally and as on, on top of it as you can. Um, and that's so that was that was really like quality and persistence. <laughs> You know, I guess nice. are the two words that like I just can't give up, and you've got to do things as as good as you can, as the highest quality. So, so let's jump into the future a little bit now. So, uh, we were talking about film festivals briefly before, but let's talk about like in the end, like how many film festivals did you apply to, and then how many film festivals did you actually end up getting into? We submitted to I want to say it was probably like fifty. Um, wow, good number. Um, and we ended up with nine, I think eight or nine, uh, that we got into. And that was, it was an interesting thing because, you know, of course it's, um, my first submission back, my first like response back was an acceptance at the Oxford film festival in, uh, Mississippi. And so I was like, Oh, my first one back acceptance This is going to be awesome. Um, but of course I'm like, well, I'm going to get into a bigger festival than that. So let me. Uh, sorry guys, but I don't want, <laughs> I'm going to pass on your festival like a terrible person that well, I am. They, they're right before South by. And I think right. that's kind of problematic because that's a really good festival. Oxford's really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. But they, I w- you're still waiting to took- hear back. <laughs> I totally right, right, right. back as well. Yeah. It was tough. Uh, I felt terrible. And then especially it was like my payment for that was getting the next 20 rejections in a row. Uh, so that was that was great, and then uh, and then we got our, so our <laughs> and then Jeez. our premiere was at Dances with Films in Los Angeles. Uh, that's Wait, what we held we our have to, premiere. I think Ulrich was about to do the same thing I'm doing, which is we have to unpack that because it's like, don't we suffer enough as independent filmmakers, and yet mm. we all feel bad because we like hold another a festival that like could make or break our career that we wanted to evaluate what the what our what the future of film could be. Like I think it's crazy because I did the same thing to Oxford actually, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I feel really bad about it, but it's like if we got into South by our entire careers would be different. So I yeah. don't think that we should feel bad about things like that. Well and they were actually uh they reached out Oxford reached out and like we played at this year's Oxford Film Festival. Oh, good. So that was great. So I still got to experience. They were very kind. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, especially when it's your first one, like you, again, like you think and you hear these stories and you listen to podcasts of like, this is how, um, you know, you get a successful or get a distribution deal. Cause in my mind, again, from the very beginning, I was thinking distribution from the very beginning. So the plan, you know, the, the A plan is to get into a, top tier festival and at least get some sort of press that you can turn into some sort of distribution deal. That's plan a. Um, and so I feel like, yes, while it stinks and in the moment, like you've got a, it, it's an unfortunate email to send like, like I've, they didn't, they didn't spend the last five years making this movie. I spent the last five years of my life 
making this movie. And so I need to do what's right for the movie or at least give it a chance, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I think like the chance of getting into those big festivals, it's just too big to, to pass up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I'll do when I'm in that situation. If, if I'm lucky enough to be that in that situation with my film, but uh yeah, I don't know. It sounds like you made the right choice though, because dances with films—that's a pretty good festival, right? Yeah, it was a—it was a lot of fun. I think I think so. I think the other thing that this year has, like, after taking it to these eight festivals, or I think we were in nine, but one of them was in Italy, and I couldn't go to that one. Um, but was kind of like a better, um, maybe a more healthier view of festivals and their place in this whole thing. Like, I feel like early on and while I was making it, like I, I, I put too way too much of my um, energy or hopes into a film festival and what those experiences were like. Um, I don't. And when I, when I was there, it's almost like every time I went to a film festival leading up to him, like, yeah, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And then a lot of the time while I'm there, I'd be like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Like like that, I don't know. Yes, I, I mean, the best part about it for me was seeing other films and talking to other people, just like talking filmmaking with these other filmmakers. But there's a lot of time where I'm just like, why am I spending all of this time at this place? Why am I giving right. my movie to this festival that they're making, you know, yeah. they're not making a ton of money, but... And you get not, no I'm, cut of the ticket I'm, sales. You get, you get no cut of ticket sales. You're spending money to be there. Like, it, it's... You're spending money to prom- like you. It's your job to promote your film at their festival. So, wh- even though you're at Dancing with Films, that's an amazing festival. But I was also uh, at Saturday morning in Los Angeles as a screen time, or like twelve thirty on a Saturday at, in Los Angeles, uh, and we didn't have like a huge turnout. You know, even though we had pushed and we'd connected with all those churches in the area and uh, all the P flag groups and like done everything by the book and. S- spent money on postcards and all this stuff and and we didn't have like we still had a good time and our our cast right. went out because it's los angeles but um we yeah so so i think my my view of festivals is now to like still enjoy it for an experience of enjoying this thing that you've made with other people um uh, but not you know not putting a lot of emotional weight onto this thing that's going to be there. Well, did you think that like there were just going to be lots of distributors at these festivals or agents or managers or people who would just like see your movie and like want to pick you up? Was like that kind of your expectation or like what, what were you expecting to get out of the festivals before you actually showed up at them? Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good question. And it, it's not that cause I knew, I mean, I, I knew that even dense with films, it's a great, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun festival. It's in the Chinese theaters, downtown Los Angeles or whatever in Hollywood. But it, but I knew that it's not a festival that uh, distributors, a ton of distributors go to. So I wasn't expecting that. Um, but uh, I, there were at a lot of, at a lot of, probably about half of the festivals that I went to, like a lot of times I'd sh- like, I didn't even feel like people knew who I was <laughs> or like knew, not like this is, I, I'm this person, but like, I don't know. It felt like sometimes there wasn't even like an appreciation for the film that was there. I don't know. It was, it was right. a weird, weird sort of thing. I, I know what you mean. Like I've, I've showed up to film festivals and be like, Hey, yeah, I came all this way. And then like, you know, they're like, here's your badge. Their... Go on, move on. Or, or even <laughs> finding the contact person sometimes can be hard, but yeah. that, that's usually just because it's a smaller film festival or, or whatever, you know? But yeah, I, I just, I think you got to embrace the experience, you oh, know? No. Yeah, and absolutely. Once you embrace it, then it's just a good time. 
You know, another thing, did you, did you try this? Like, this is a tip I heard. I can't remember which filmmaker who was on the show said it, but what they did when they had their movie premiere at a Phelps festival was they just reached out to a ton of uh, distributors and production companies and said, and invited them to the screening and was just like, Hey, we're doing a screening of our film at this so-and-so film festival. It's in LA. Come see the movie, blah, blah, blah. And then like, you know, 90% of them say no, like we can't make it, but they also say, Oh, but send us a screener if you can. And then they send a screener and then that's sort of a way they get their foot in. Did you, did you try doing anything like that? Yes. Um, I mean, probably not to as, you know, not to as many as we should, um, here's, here's the other thing that I learned about myself was that I felt, I thought that I was pacing myself. Like I thought that I was going, but, but I realized that I was like, I was going at like 99% for like four years, four, five years, you know, like putting all of my energy into this thing. And so this, this isn't necessarily about the film festival, but this is actually about, I'm sure we'll get to it later about when the movie was released. Like when, once it came, once we had a release of it on iTunes and Amazon, I had like three weeks in me of promoting it and then I was just like done like I was like I can't talk about I can't try anymore I've been trying to get uh, energy behind this thing for so many years like I can't I'm I can't talk about this movie anymore so um so I don't know if that was again me like expelling too much energy earlier or not having just not knowing what's coming up but I felt like that a little bit too at the festival even though the movie was just now coming out and people were able to see it um I don't know. It's this weird thing of like you're you're you want the you want everyone to see this thing that you've been working on, but when you step back and look at the whole festival idea, like like maybe if you're lucky, two hundred people get see this movie. You know what I mean? Like it's the festivals are really small audience, really small group of people to see the movie. Um, but of course, if you get the right person there, of course that's that's like the hope. That's like the carrot at the end of the stake is like. The person, the right person, might see it and submit, you know, suggest it to someone else. Well, you're you're pointing to something I want to say, which is like because there's no path, which we we talked about earlier, Kevin. There's no path to making films. There's no path to success for independent filmmakers. It almost feels like you have five thousand options and no options at the same time. Yes. And so, what's so frustrating, which I'm hearing and I experience as well, is you always think you could do more, but at the same time like you don't know what's going to be most helpful. (laughs) Right, right. Like I've started to um, just set like boundaries for myself, which is, you know, like, yes, I could spend the next three weeks contacting every distributor and every publicist and really working my ass off. Or, you know, I can ration those reserves and do like the five things that I think could be most helpful and then use my energy for something else and then just think about the next project and the next project and make it the long game but I think it's really kind of frustrating um, to have to feel like you could be doing more when you're doing so much already. That uh, that is exactly it. Liz. holy crap! You just like nailed the frustration of of it because like because there are so there are literally thousands of things you could be doing, um, and they're all shots in the dark. Right. And and no matter how many you're doing, there's always more. Like you could be doing a thousand things, and there would still be more things that you could do. Absolutely, that could make a difference. You know, yep. maybe. You know, maybe, maybe. It's all. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but just to follow up with that, ultimately, which is kind of like a sad lesson to learn just for myself, is that um, when you're in demand, it will be obvious, right? And 
we have to work to get to the point where we're in demand. And however you set up your foundation, which you clearly did very well, Kevin, and which you're doing great, Ulrich, at doing, it's like we we always think we're at the tipping point, but I think the tipping point will be incredibly obvious to us when we're in demand. Yes, that is a uh, we're we're all waiting for that tipping point. <laughs> right, we're all waiting. I for like that. that that positivity, Liz. Like when when we're <laughs> when it demand. happens, yeah. it's, it's going to happen yeah. for all of us one day. <laughs> so briefly, Kevin, I wanted to talk about your distribution. So like you went to these nine film festivals. It wasn't you know, the big experience necessarily that you thought it was going to be, but like, how did you work out your distribution for the film? Well, I, I do feel like I, I've just realized as I was listening to myself talk that I feel like I was very negative about the whole festival thing. And I, I don't want to be that, like I loved this past year. It was, it was a fantastic time. I love going to film festivals and it was great. I think for me, it just helped me get, a a unroman you know an unromanticized view of what that is. So I think probably one thing that would probably help for filmmakers to do is go to like I'm in Florida, so there's not a ton of large film festivals around here. So I didn't have that experience. I didn't know what to expect. Um, so probably going to these film festivals beforehand um, and talking with the filmmakers and probably like not just the filmmakers of the very popular movies that have the sold out crowds. Uh, that's the other tough thing about Los Angeles is that like a lot of the films there were like hometown films. Um, a lot of filmmakers live in Los Angeles and so they would have like a whole cast and crew there and for their movies. And when I come from Florida, you know, we brought like 10 people with us. So um, I got off track though. What was your question? Ark? <laughs> well, I, no, I wanted to know like, so for the distribution, um, yes, yes, how yes. did, how did you, how did you figure that out? Because I, I kind of know where you ended up with distribution, but I want you to just to hear your story of how you landed where you are with your distribution. Yeah, so that was, I mean, another thing of having 5,000 options and no options at the same time. So leading up to Dance with Films, where you know I'm trying to email all of the distributors, letting them know that we'll be there, trying to get them to come or at least see a screener. I, had a, I did hire a publicist for the premiere, for dance with films. Um, and really though, like as I was really what I learned was that like that, that premiere, the publicist, he was helping me like make that thing feel as big of a thing as it could be to peak interest from distributors and from other people throughout the thing. So that whole game. Um, and we got a few, um, we sent out a bunch of screeners. We got a few things of specific interest or we had some people request screeners and they'd watch them. Um, but there was really, we didn't get any interest from what weren't ultimately just service providers. It wasn't a distribution deal. Um, it was, uh, you know, you pay us this up front and we'll distribute your, we'll get your movie on all these platforms and you'll, you know, they didn't say this, but you'll never see any money from it. Um, but it was ultimately like paying forward, (laughs) paying the money, paying the money to paying them to do this thing. Um, there was, uh, we were in talks with one company to, they, they actually did like send an offer, um, to us, but it was, uh, like $4,000. So that, that was, um, moving, moving on. And they said, you know, they were like, well, what number would you like? Let's, let's start with like what you'd like to do it. But by that point I was pretty sure because here's my, here's my experience. And was that, was that $4,000 for like domestic rights or no, that for... was, that was world. Uh, maybe it was domestic. Cause at that point I probably had my, my foreign sales agent. Um, 
And then so, how did you find your foreign sales agent? Was that through your, your uh, PR rep that you hired? Or? Yeah, so that was through one of the connections that I can't remember if it was through um, through my publicist that I hired out there or if that was just one of the people that I emailed or uh, they were just going – it was prolific pictures They or they just you know looked at a bunch of stuff from Dance With Films. But um, they were – there's a – uh, you know, fairly new. Our our conversations back and forth. They were really the only people that I felt like got the movie and what it was. So th- my experience with trying to do this like weird thing and this genre, this what you know people automatically put our movie, put my movie in a faith based genre. Um, and so people would either try and do that with it or just put it as like an LGBT movie. And it's not really either of those, even though it deals with both of those. It's like it's not. It's not what the audience expects from either of those films, from either of those genres. So Wait, you went with prolific films. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Yeah. I really is this. Um, uh, sorry, I know them. I met with them, and I cool. actually think that they seem decent and nice and yes. hardworking. And no, I like them a lot. Like I like Michael a lot. Yeah, he's. That's that's why I went with that's them. Cool. Like he was. We had a great conversation afterwards. I felt like he got it. I mean, he told me, you know, like this is going to be a really hard sell <laughs> because of what it is, especially internationally. Um, and they didn't require any money up front. And they, would, they had a low cap on what they would spend. Like, and I was like, yeah, let's let's try this. Like I didn't I went into this whole thing from the beginning, not expecting anything internationally just because of what the movie is. And it feels like a very American uh, culture movie right now. So. Um, so anything with them would have been kind of like a bonus sort of thing. So. Um, they sent me like a, I don't remember what the term is, but like basically like an estimate of what they think they could get from projections, you know, projections. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for over the next several years internationally. Um, and my thought was like, even if, even if it's like half of that or a quarter of that, then it's something that's more than I have now for international. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we went with them and they've, that was last summer. I think they've taken it to most of the markets so far. They're like continually in conversations with people we've sold taiwan which is our one our one international territory that we've sold and it was supposed to i like kept looking for stuff but it was supposed to come out actually like in theaters in june in taiwan this year um so that would have been cool i've heard it happen but i i don't have any proof and i've looked online i I can't i can't get any proof can can Um, you talk about the number that 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 territory brought in or can you not reveal that? No, I, th- uh, I don't know. I guess I can. I mean, it was, so it was like $4,000 for that territory. Okay. Um, nice. and that's like what, like 50%, how much of that is like ch- chipping away at their, um, you know, that they're at their minimum that they need to cover. Uh, their, their cap was, I'm, I'm blanking actually on the number right now. It's not enough to cover the cap for sure. So well, it's I, like I won't around 20,000 or something. No, no. The cap the- is like, it was it's between five to ten. Oh, five to cap. ten. Oh, okay. so, oh yeah. nice. There yeah. you go. So close though. Close. I mean, if it was yeah. five, then like you right. know, maybe two more territories, and you'll be in good shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, that's cool. Yeah, and so and they, you know, part of his whole thing with me, and part of what I appreciated again, like that he was honest about what the movie was, and then that he was, you know, he was being honest about we're we're kind of starting in this thing. You know, we've we we are filmmakers but we're starting in this um, sales rep world. So um, I don't know. It just seemed, it seems like a right time, right place, right relationship sort of thing. So, but so domestically, then, domestically, yes, domestically. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I was pretty sure from the beginning because of, I had been 
you know, my plan was from the beginning for these past five years working on these relationships with these um, churches and organizations that do, are doing this work that I was pretty sure that I was going to be able to find the audience better than these, you know, than any sort of distributor because it didn't fit so nicely into a, a clear genre. Um, so that's what other, you know, unless we were like blown away with an offer, which we weren't ever, the plan was to self-distribute it. So, um, yeah, so we did, uh, thanks to Liz's suggestion, we used, uh, quiver for getting onto itunes and google play and we used amazon video direct to get it onto amazon nice uh, which is free so i mean it's, it's free to get your movie on amazon and it's not included with prime people have to buy it or rent it um, but it doesn't cost anything to get on their platform which is amazing so talk about that a little bit so when you went on amazon you decided not to go prime and that was specifically because you make more money if you uh have it for sale for rent on amazon well, I mean, from everything I heard, you make you don't make any money. Like, there's not a chance of making money if yep. if it's on Prime. And I had a little bit of experience with that, just be, like uh, just a little back end experience because I had a short film that I put on Amazon Prime. I didn't have any intentions to, but I was like, it's free. It's a ten minute short film. I put it on there, and I would get like, I don't. Know, I mean, we never did any marketing of it whatsoever at all, but it would get like uh, I don't know, like three cents every four months or something like that. Um, it was, it's just ridiculous about the, the, I, I don't understand why people would do that with their film unless like you just don't care about money at all and just want people to see it. Um, cause then that's a great way to get, they have a huge audience, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so we, we put it on for rent at like, th- uh, I think it was four ninety nine to rent HD and then like fifteen ninety nine to buy. Um, nice. And then how long has it, the movie been out? Uh, we released it February 26th of this year. Nice. Um, yeah, and we had, you know, we were doing, I, I for whatever reason, I people laugh at me when I tell them this now, but, um, I mean, our family, we use iTunes for movies, so I thought people use iTunes for movies. So I was really pushing for, <laughs> to, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, so we were pushing for people to pre-order, and that was also, for whatever reason, people couldn't pre-order on Amazon. It was only through iTunes. So, uh, but people could pre-order. So we were really pushing on that to try and get on some sort of like new and notable, make a dent, you know, some sort of list to get attraction or whatever. Um, and it ends up, we, we pre-sold, I think the number was like 89 copies of the movie, which got us like, I think the highest we were was like number 20 on the new releases within drama. Uh, um, but it, but it wasn't in, you know, it wasn't within a top 10 thing that would make a dent. Um, but but our by far our bigger uh Amazon has brought in four or five times the amount of money that um iTunes has brought in. Oh, and then, wow. and then Google Play, I think we might have made our money back from putting it on Google Play. Um I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if we've crossed that threshold yet. So like can you talk about the numbers that you've seen from from Amazon and from iTunes like like how much sales have you gotten by doing it on your own um for whatever it is like 5 months now for 6 almost 6 months Yeah so yeah let me pull up uh where'd you go So oh, like 4 months Yeah so we've through June Yeah so it's like 4 full months and then like you know February was 2 days worth um but uh, because of the pre-sales, we actually made more on iTunes those first two days than we did 
uh, the whole rest of the time. Um, but total total for iTunes, we brought in like $2,000. Amazon has brought in $9,000. Oh, nice. Uh, Google Play was, is about like 500, just under 500. And then oh, we also wow. have it. We also have it with like VHX on our website, which is like 80, 90 bucks. We haven't we haven't made our money back from getting it on VHX yet. But you've proven that your film is worth more than four thousand dollars. It is worth more than four thousand dollars. Yeah, that you got. Yeah, that's which, awesome. So, and this is again, like I, I'm also realizing that this is a, I mean, it's a long term thing. You know what I mean? Like this is this is there in the world now. I think like again the mentality thing like so much of my so much of my energy was to like getting it out into the world and now i'm like and now that it's done and thinking like oh now it's done but no like that's just that's like the very first step <laughs> you know what i mean like getting it yeah. out for people to see it is the first step and then people can hopefully start seeing it and telling other people and whatever so but also don't drive yourself crazy because um this is the first in a canon of films that you're oh, going yeah, I've, to make. I've definitely moved on <laughs> mentally from this. Like, and, and as in like, this is a, a fantastic experience and we made something that we're all really proud of and let's do another one. Um, nice. But uh, also, yeah, trying to, trying to set myself up to at least recover our money because like I said, like the first half of that money came in through donations, but the rest, the second half of it, we did, my wife and I put in on our own, took out some loans right. to do it. So, you know what I mean? Like we need to recover that money and then we'll be like, whew, okay, that that right. chapter is definitely done. <laughs> right. So one last question about the release. Like, did you do, what kind of promotion did you do when it launched on Amazon and iTunes? Were you like hitting Facebook every day, like emailing people every day? Like what was your strategy? Yeah, it was definitely, I was definitely approached it as another crowdfunding campaign, you know, which if you've done a crowdfunding campaign or planned for one, it's, it's like a month and a half or two months of like very full-time work. Um, so so yeah, I was, we had plans. We had a, we did like a launch party here in Lakeland um, that we were like kind of building up towards. Uh, I mean, the, the some, one of the coolest things about this movie is how our, like our home community came behind us and helped us and support us during the making of it and throughout the whole thing. So um, that's how, you know, that was definitely the biggest boost on the pre-orders were the personal relationships that we had and the, you know, the audience that we've, been growing um over the past several years um you know i think we have like it's not a ton but we have like 2000 facebook fans or likes or whatever um and so de- and i think a thousand fifteen hundred like emails on our email list um so nice using those two things were our were our definitely our most um positive response um and and yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, talking about it a lot, but trying to be creative in the way that we talked about it. So it's not just like, "Hey, come buy our movie" thing. So we, but we would try to create some videos. We would do Facebook Live things every so often, as much as we could, with some actors from the movie if they were in town or if we were meeting them for something, or you know, doing those sort of things to try and continue the energy uh, behind it. But something that was hopefully a little bit more than just come by our movie of course we'd we'd always put the but come by our movie in there somewhere <laughs> right, um, right. but yeah nice. so we we were pushing before that for the whole all the way you know 
like I said, for iTunes pre-orders. And then after that, it was kind of like a all digital, you know, just pushing for it on all the platforms. And once we saw how big Amazon was, now we pretty much just push everyone to Amazon um, to try and keep that momentum going. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you. Just I know we're wrapping up, but also just thank you for sharing numbers because I feel like I meet a lot of filmmakers every day who are like, I'm going to do micro budget because without a doubt, I'll recoup. And I think that's really dangerous thinking in this right. in this economy. Um, and I think every time someone shares information, other people have a, a more realistic grasp of what's possible and, and the risk they're taking. And ultimately, it sounds like um, you made the right decision in making this film. But I'd be curious to see you know, knowing how you did financially um, and how the experience was emotionally, would you do it again? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, and I don't, I mean, I'm sure there, are, I haven't really thought through every step on what I would do again, but of course I would do it again. I mean, like, like how, uh, I don't know, the, the, the experience of having a movie made, just like knowing that, that we've done this thing together is pretty awesome. I, I mean, personally, I'm. It's the biggest accomplishment I've ever done in my life. You know, so it's like it's this huge accomplishment that I'm incredibly proud of. Um, the our our the time the month that we were on set was was like one of the best times of my life. You know, that whole experience, our cast and crew and everyone was absolutely amazing, and it was such a, a fantastic experience. Actually, making the thing um, post production, of course, was longer and harder than I expected it to be. But yes, of course I would do it again. Um, and I plan to do it again, but, um, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, you hear from a lot of filmmakers that like their first movie can destroy them sometimes. And it sometimes takes a long time for a filmmaker to come, to come back and make another movie. If they ever do lots don't, you know? Um, so it's awesome. I think that's like, you know, probably the, the best takeaway is that, you 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 really enjoyed the experience, you know, for what it was, and you 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 made a movie that you're proud of. I think that's like, I mean, to me, that's like the most encouraging thing to hear, basically, because like there's so many times where you don't hear that, and I think that's what all. If I if I get anything from when I finish my film, I hope those two things are how I feel that I enjoyed the experience, and then I'm proud of the work that I did, because <laughs> that's all that really matters. You will. In the end. I have no doubt. I have Thanks, literally Liz. no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, Kevin, where shall people go to uh, find out more about at the end of the day? Like plug all the stuff. Yeah. So uh, on all the social media platforms, everything, we're endofthedayfilm.com or endofthedayfilm. And then our website is endofthedayfilm.com. Um, and then my website, if you want to connect with me at all, is kevinobrien.film. Awesome. Liz, can you do this outro? Sure. Well, I have to read something. Yes, I'm you reading do. something for this outro. Hi. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Kevin for being on the show. You already said that already. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a trick one. <laughs> um, but I want to say thank you for having me on the show and letting me co-host. Oh, of course. Anytime, Liz. You know you have an open door. Open doors. The door is always open to you on the show. So. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Um, you got to keep going. There's more. <laughs> no, no. Um, oh, the pressure. Um, 
<laughs> oh, oh, okay, I got it. I see what we're doing now. Hey, guys, check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, okay, at MMIH Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Alwork B on Twitter and Instagram. And Liz, you are? Um, just email me, lizmanishallgmail.com. <laughs> You don't want people to go to your Twitter or any of that stuff. You're I made it private, which my like semi mother in law noticed private? recently. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, wow. I'm looking, I'm looking for I'm submitting for opportunities, and I don't want people to see me complain about being a mom all the time. Huh. So. Wow, interesting. Yeah, because you're such a big presence on on social media normally. Uh, for you to go private, that's kind of nuts. When If things um, fall through in the next few weeks, I will go all open again. But just while I'm submitting for things, I'm closed. So uh, that's a whole other podcast. We'll have to talk about that <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then if you like the show, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We also have a Patreon page. Check that out. Um, and Liz, thank you for another fantastic episode. And Kevin, thank you for being on. Sorry it took so long to get you on the show. We finally did this. Um, it was fantastic. No, I appreciate it. Thanks. It's been uh, it's been a blast. I'm sorry we couldn't connect at uh, Brave Maker. Yeah, well, we like kind of met at this film festival really briefly. We were like standing next to each other, and I like maybe said like one word to Kevin. I knew exactly who he was. You did. Um, I, well, I didn't hear it at all. I would have. Yeah, I would have. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, because. Tony, who's another guest of the show, he was doing his thing and, you know, whatever, talking to the audience. And we were just standing there next to each other on stage. And I just, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted to, to say, hey, Kevin, so nice to meet you in person. But then, yeah, I missed you at the party. And anyways, but it was good to like actually just see you and put a, a face to the name. That was always that's always nice. Yeah. What's funny is that like for some reason, like I've listened to the podcast for a long time, but I had never seen a picture of you. Oh, really? So, <laughs> so I did not put your voice to your body, and oh. uh, and I like look, and I did not know, like I. So, I'm an idiot because I I knew That's that so you were going to be there leading doing this podcast thing. As part of this, whatever I did not until I was like done. I was like, "What oh, does that's Ulrich's Ulrich. voice look like to you, Kevin?" <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was. I actually thought you were younger. Oh, I don't wow. know. Like, I don't know. It just, I, I don't know. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was funny because another guest of the show, Alex Ferrari, was there too, and and we actually talked a little bit on stage. He got the hug and said, "What's up?" But then. You know, there was this party I couldn't go to afterwards. I thought I was going to go to, and I didn't go to. So I was going to look looking forward to trying to connect with those you and Alex there, but just didn't. Um, but anyways, it was a good time. <laughs> it was. A um, time. This is a weird outro, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I sabotaged right at the end. Sorry. I guess what I, the, the the point is, um, yeah, go to film festivals, talk to filmmakers. It's a great, it's a great old time. Um, all right, well, thanks to everyone for listening, and talk to you guys next week. <laughs>